town of Bethlehem Looks like another silent night Above your deep and dreamless sleep A giant star lights up the sky Stepped into your world today. Oh, Bethlehem, you will go down in history as a city with no room for its king while you were sleeping. While you were town of Jerusalem looks like another side of night the father gave his only son the way the truth the life had come but there was no room for him in the world he came to save Jerusalem what you have missed while you were sleeping the Savior of the world is dying on your cross today. Jerusalem, you will go down in history as a city with no room for its king while you were sleeping. While you were sleeping. United States of America looks like another silent night. As we're sung to sleep by philosophies that save the trees and kill the children.
United States of America. Good morning. Oh. Okay, we're going to try it one more time. Good morning, everyone. Good morning. Welcome. We are glad you are here this morning. We are excited. We have been worshiping this morning for the past two hours, and we are just excited that Jesus um, allows us to do that. So we are going to start this morning by worshiping. So would you stand with me? And we're going to begin our time together. Where? 
God, would you pray with me this morning? Let's welcome the Holy Spirit here today. Lord Jesus, I thank you so much for being here this morning. Thank you for waking us up, Lord. Thank you for hope in you. Lord, I thank you for what you're going to do. I pray that we walked in here anticipating you moving. So, Lord, help us to settle down from the week. Help us to just put all of our racing thoughts on a table, all of our worries on your altar. And I pray, Jesus, that you will just come in and fill this place with your spirit. We already know that you're here, but Lord, we want to loose you here. And we want this place to welcome your spirit here, Jesus. We've prayed for you to come. You told us if we asked you, you would come. So we thank you for being here, Lord. We love you. I pray, Jesus, that we came knowing that instead of receiving something today, that we came to give you something, that we're here to bring things to put them on the altar to give to you as a sweet fragrance. So, Lord, move in us. Start with me, Jesus. Move in us. Help us to focus on you. Take all distractions away, Lord, and give us joy, and let us just love on you this morning. So we love you, we thank you for what you're going to do, and we praise your holy name, Jesus. And we ask all this in, in your name, Jesus, amen. Would you guys turn to one another and welcome one another this morning? We are glad that you are here. back to your seats. We're going to ask you to wrap up those conversations so we can continue this morning. <laughs> All right, it's super special to hear everyone talking with one another and hearing the laughter. I love to, I love to hear God's people commune this morning. There are a few things that we need to go over with everyone this morning. So you can have a seat for just a moment. Um, Scott's going to give us our announcements here in just a minute. But I did want to um, let you all know if you have not seen the emails that Diane Allen is with Jesus. And um, we wanted to make sure that everyone was aware of that. We're so thankful that the suffering is over. We miss her. I spent some time with Gary and his family yesterday. And they're doing as well as can be expected. But um, we wanted to make sure that you guys were aware. 
that um, the services um, for Diane, it's a celebration service. Gary wants to make sure that we know it's a celebration service. That's what she would want. But it's on Wednesday this week at 2 o'clock, and there will be a reception afterwards where you can meet with Gary and his family. So we wanted to make sure that you guys were aware, and um, you'd be praying for them through this this journey that they're on now, and just keep them in your prayers and, and love on them. Also, if there's anyone that would like to help me put some meals together for them, I have a few days this week that I need to fill. If you'd come and see me after the service, um, if you're interested in helping with that, that would be wonderful as well. Good morning. We got a few announcements for you today. Um, we have a connection card slide to be played, put up on screen. Um, and the question is, who is behind the card? And do we know? Go ahead and call out if you think you know. You cheat her? Did you cheat? No, I didn't cheat. She didn't cheat. <laughs> All right, she didn't cheat. The The answer is Emmy, one of, uh, one of the Spittler's famous granddaughters. And so that is announcing that we have these, um, connection cards inside of the bulletin handout that you've been given. Please fill that out, if you, especially if you're new to this church and you're getting settled in. Uh, we want to get to know more about you. We want to connect with you. Um, and, and so please fill that out and turn it into the, um, the offering plate when that comes around. Uh, also in the handout, the bulletin handout, we have uh, actually, I don't know if it's in there, but we do have ushers that are going to be coming around with pink cards. If you wish to fill out a question for um, the butlers, who are about to who are about to um, introduce here in a second, but for the, um, the 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 meal afterwards, if you want to ask them a question, please fill one out in one of these pink um, cards. Please raise your hand if you ha- if you need one. Um, and they will be going around handing those out. And now, oh, and go ahead and give those to Scott Meyer when you finish filling those out. Uh, Scott is here. Can you stand up, please? Thank you. Round of applause for Scott. Just because. Just because he's awesome. Um, We're very grateful for him and what he does. Uh, But now we do want to introduce uh, the butlers, Dale and Michelle, uh, so if you guys could please stand up and let's give them a round of applause and welcome them here. <clears throat> They've been doing so much um, this weekend, just getting involved and getting to know so many of us. And we will be having a potluck right after the service. Um, so be sure to hang around for that and get to know them, them better there. So please, please, please hang around for that. And then uh, finally, in, in regards to all of that, there will be a pastoral candidate uh, church vote next week, one week from today, May 7th. So you want to be sure to be there for that. Um, and that will be happening next week. So come on out for that. Uh, now we can go ahead and dismiss the kids. Uh, do we have someone leading the kids out of here? Oh. We lied. We lied. Kids, you're staying here today. It is Family Sunday today. Um, Okay, let's go ahead and get into the word here. 
We're going to read today's scripture, which is from out of Psalm 103, 1 through 5, 8 through 13. Praise the Lord, my soul, all my inmost being. Praise his holy name. Praise the Lord, my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your sins and heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit and crowns you with love and compassion, who satisfies your desires with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. He does not treat us. The Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love. He will not always accuse nor will he harbor his anger forever. He does not treat us as our sins deserve or repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. As a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. Now, if we could have the ushers come forward, we're going to go ahead and take this morning's tithes and offerings. You guys could uh, bow with me as we enter in a time of prayer. Lord, just the scripture we just read should be celebrated. The truths there are amazing. They're, They're truths that we can live from out of truths that we can take heart from. I pray that you are with with us in the service and bless this tithes and offerings that are about to be given to you, Lord. It's just a small token of what you give to us, the amazing gifts from your grace. We thank you, Lord. We love you. Thank you for your love. It's in your name we pray. Amen. all stand. We're going to continue our time of worship. How many of you have joy in your heart today? (laughs) Isaac does. (laughs) That's awesome. Well, I do. I am joyful because we have so many reasons to be joyful. No matter what's going on, no matter where you're at in life, there's just something that only Jesus can do, and that is give you joy. Even in the midst of the storm, he's got it. So we're going to praise him this morning. 
moment this morning right before we came out to get ready for the service with just with the worship team in the back and oh, I'm gonna get emotional no okay so it was beautiful because we all realized at the same time that the world is worshiping our father and not only are they just worshiping him we've got countries that started yesterday they're going to go through today and into tomorrow. But more than that, the stars are worshiping. 
creation is crying out to him. The rocks will cry out if we don't. And I want to outrank those rocks. Amen. I want to give him love and worship and thankfulness and gratefulness because he's done so much. And if you're in the middle of a storm, we lost Diane this week. We've lost several people in the last year. And it's hard and it breaks our hearts. But they are with Jesus. And they are worshiping him right now. It's temporary. And I'm so grateful for that hope. And I'm so grateful that we can sit here and worship him. But man, they're pros now. They know what they're doing. And I just want to take a step into that throne room. And I want to take you with me and take you in there with me because he is worth it. So let's just continue to praise him and worship him. And one of the things that I wanted to point out, this, this verse in the song says, memorized by every heart, written in eternity, every lifted voice of heart, joining in the symphony. So will you join in the symphony with, with us this morning?
From the moment that I wake up until I lay my head, I will sing of the goodness of God.
What an amazing morning to be worshiping with you this morning. I can sense the Holy Spirit here. God is working in this place. We are so thankful to be here. I'm supposed to pray right now, but I just want to say these words. Have you, are you listening to what you're singing? All my life, thank you, Jesus. You have been faithful. Because I know this because I'm standing right with here with you this morning. He is faithful no matter where you're walking right now in your life. You guys hang in there. He is faithful and true. Let's pray together, Father God, this morning. So thankful for a God that is faithful. When I am running, when I'm struggling, when I'm not true, you are true. Thank you, God, for this place and these people. We walked in from so many different backgrounds. With our stuff sometimes, God, we carry it. Waited, but God, in this place, may we just let it go. Thank you, God, for these moments to worship for this team that has practiced and brought their very best to you to lift their voices in worshiping you with you, God. Thank you for that. For this team, for the people that came early that prepared a place for us to be able to gather, for those that work day in, day out to prepare for a place for us to come and gather. Thank you for those people, for a church of people that have hung together, that have gathered and said, we still know you have got something for us. God, speak. We want to hear from you this morning. So God, I just pray you would be a Pastor Dale as he comes. God, help us to have ears to hear and hearts to be open to what you want to say to us today. God, that it's not just we're checking out and see if he's okay, God. But God, not about that, but what you want to speak to us today. Help us to hear from you. You are awesome. You are so worthy of our highest praise, God. And we give you all honor and glory. You so deserve it. Your name I pray. Amen. You guys can be seated. We are delighted to be here. You'll get to meet Pastor Dale here in just a minute. I'm Pastor Michelle. Yes, I am a pastor as well. And you'll hear our story later. But what we do a lot of times in um, services um, and just gatherings, we like to include media. And we do that a lot in Florida. We've done that over the years in our ministry. And so there's a video today we want you to kind of watch to kind of set you up to what's just to give you some things to think about. So will you take a look at it? message. 
Hey, Dad. It's me. I know it's been a long time since we've talked. I was, I was kind of hoping you'd answer, but um, I understand that you probably don't want to talk to me. I've just gone so far, and the things I've done, I, I just regret it, you know. And I know how bad I've hurt you and let you down, but, but Dad, I, I miss you. I miss how we drive around and just talk about life. And I just, I just want to come home. But I know you've probably written me off. I can't blame you, actually. Here's, here's, here's the thing. It's kind of a shot in the dark, but I'm, uh, I'm coming through town soon, and I can't just show up at the front door like I used to, but but if you want to see me, just hang a small sheet out on the porch. If the sheet isn't there, when I drive by, I'll keep going, and, and I'll try not to bother you anymore. I love you, Dad. Well, that will bring a tear to a glass eye, no question about that. If you're paying attention to what God's speaking to you about, boy, oh boy, oh boy, aren't you thankful? Whew. Maybe you're not thankful. I'm thankful. So uh, my name's Dale, and this is my wife, Michelle, and we're glad to be with you. And I just think I need to start off by saying thank you for your, for your wonderful hospitality toward us. Um, we've been so welcomed and so uh, loved already, and we're so appreciative of that. Huge shout out to your church board who has worked super hard at uh, making sure all the I's were dotted and T's were crossed and all the secrets kept. We're so sorry for the secrecy. I really do. I'm so sorry. Uh, but we are from South Florida and uh, uh, 
we'll talk about that a little bit later. But I want to make sure I, th- I thank the church board for, for the hospitality. Thank you to, the, to, to your worship band. Aren't they amazing? I mean... If you read over my resume, we have served in all four time zones in America. And I don't know that I have been, I've not worked with a a better worship band than this one. So you should be proud. You should thank them. You should take them out for coffee (laughs) and uh, give them gifts, you know, all the, all the things. So uh, thank you for, for uh, your hospitality this, 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 this weekend. Um, I, I know that I'm here for a job interview and I know that. But um, I'm also here to bring you the word. And so uh, we only get, as pastors, we get 52 weekends a year. That's all we get. We get one hour basically a weekend to, to you know, influence people from the front. So I take my role very seriously on that. So I, I'm, I'm not going uh, to you know, short sell you on that. I'm going to preach this morning. But before I preach, I want to tell you a story about myself. Probably one of, if not the most embarrassing moments of my life. And you've all had embarrassing moments, some of which were your fault. But this one was not my, or was my fault. It was no one else's fault. It was my fault. The most embarrassing moment of my life. Michelle and I had just started a new church up, in, up near Denver. And new churches, you know, attract new people, of course. And so we, we were seeing new families fly in, all, you know, in and out. All, all, every weekend, we were like meeting new people. It was a little dizzying, a little blurry. Um, but one particular weekend, um, there was a new family that, that I wanted to make sure I met. And so um, I, we usually made our way out of the, of the sanctuary, which was a gym in a middle school. And we kind of parked ourselves right there waiting for the people to come out so we could say, hey, I'm so glad that you're here. And um, so we kind of put ourselves there, and, and I'll, I'll be honest, you know, I was a little spent. Um, I had preached my heart out that morning, and we were portable, so we had gotten there like 7 o'clock in the morning, and we were pushing gear and, and trying to set things up and making sure all the toys were there for the kids. And, you know, it's a, it was a little exhausting, but, you know, you give God your best. And so I preached my heart out, and I was a little bit not together. Hadn't, I didn't have my A game. I'll, okay, I'll just admit that. And so we're standing there, and here comes people, and then here comes the family that I wanted to shake their hand. And so as they come out, it was a, it was a, a man and his wife, and, and he came out, and I just I stuck my hand out to him. I'm like, I'm Dale. I'm so glad to meet you. Let me, and, and this is Michelle, and let me meet your wife, and I'm so glad to meet you. And then I, I knew, like, like a millisecond after the words fell out of my face, I knew that I had made a colossal mistake. Here's what I said. I said, you guys, you must be so excited. When is your baby due? Yeah, right? You already know the end of this story. Uh, she was not with child. And uh, yes, they did not come back to church. And for, so, they probably didn't go to any church after that. And they're probably on their way, you know, if they die, they're probably going to go to, you know, no, I'm kidding. I, I don't believe that. But I'll tell you what, I thought about that all that Sunday and all that Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday. It was just, you know, the most embarrassing moment of, of my life. Um, have, you, have you ever vocalized anything that you probably shouldn't have? Nah. You, ever, you ever said something that you shouldn't have? You know, in a, in a, in a circumstance where maybe it's a heated moment, uh, you know, uh, an exchange between two people, and, and you just, it just brought out the worst words 
possible. You didn't, you didn't mean to say it. You may not even believe the words that came out of your mouth, but you, you, said, you said it, and you didn't mean to. And sometimes our emotions win out over our better judgment, and they take us places that we never intended to go, never wanted to go, and we're really upset that we got taken there. There's an extraordinary story in, in the Bible. It's, it's a story about two brothers. Each of them, um, you know, they, they separately made an emotional decision that absolutely put them in a rather difficult spot. Frankly, each of their individual decisions put them in a spot where they had the potential to, it, it could have ruined their entire life. And the really crazy thing about this is, the really scary thing about this is that you and I have the potential to become just like them. So I wanted to tell you their story this morning. So that maybe um, to see if, if you see you in that story. It's one of my very favorite stories of, of the Bible because it gives us a really good idea of how deeply invested God the Father is in restoring people who are far away from Him. And perhaps... It is a story that helps us understand our role in helping other people find Jesus. So if you're a Bible bringer this morning, we're going to be in the book of Luke. Now, some of you guys may not know your Bible all that well. Some of you do, but there are two big chunks of the Bible, the Old Testament and the New Testament. In the New Testament, the third book, Matthew, Mark, Luke, is the story this morning, book of, or the chapter 15. And um, I'm just going to tell you this story this morning. It's a story about a father who had two sons. And one day, one of the sons, the younger of the two sons, decided that he wanted what was coming to him. He wanted his inheritance. And so he just made his way to his dad and said, Hey, Dad, I know that this is a little uncharacteristic. It's not very traditional. But I've been thinking a little bit, and uh, I know I have, I have things going here, and you provided a great spot for me and all those other things. But hey, listen, I... I, I want my inheritance, just like that. I want my inheritance. And so the father obliged him. He took his wealth and he split it to give to his two sons, the older and the younger. Anecdotally, just, just in case you, you, you need to know this, which you probably don't, but it's a great part of the story. In the Old Testament, the firstborn always got a double portion. It's their blessing. So quick math would say two-thirds of the inheritance went to the older and a third went to the younger. And so the, th the, the third of the inheritance, the young son grabbed it and he went off to his room, thumbed through it, packaged it, and in a few days' time had grabbed everything that he owned and he made off for a far-off place. Wherein he blew it all. All of it gone on crazy living, the things that mom and dad taught him not to do. The things that his youth pastor told him never do. He went to those places. He did all the things that he wasn't supposed to do. And his money was gone. In simultaneous fashion then, as his money was winding down into nothing, a famine was spreading across the region. It was bad news because it wasn't just a minor kind of food shortage. It was a major food shortage. And he found himself in a rather you know, tough spot. No money, 
no friends because he had no money. And he didn't have any food. And so what he did have is he had a little bit of, of mindset to, to at least come to the place where he said, well, I, I guess I'll go find a job. And so he managed to talk himself into going and finding a farmer and saying, look, I, I, I have some skills. My dad has a farm. I will work for you. And the farmer said, I've got a great job for you. You can feed the pigs. So this young man has already made several bad decisions and it's already costing him because if you, um, if you are a student of the Bible, if you've been around a while, you know that Jewish young men don't mess with pigs. They're unclean. And so in this moment, he's taking an inventory of his life. I made a bad decision to leave my dad. I've sinned against him. I made a bad decision to leave my religion. I've sinned against God. I made a bad decision doing this. I've made all kinds of bad decisions. And as the famine got worse, the food that he's feeding his pigs looked even better. To the point at which one day he just woke up and realized, I, I gotta get out of here. There is no good plan forward. There's no headhunters looking for me to, to give me a good job. I can't, I can't stay here anymore. I gotta go. And he realized in his mind, my, my dad's servants even have better jobs than this. And they eat because my dad takes care of them. And so I'm gonna go back to my dad. And I can imagine in his mind as he begins to head his way back toward home, he begins to rehearse this message in his mind. Okay, dad, I've sinned against you. I've sinned against God. I'm, I'm not worth anything. So if you would just even allow me to work for you, you'll never have to call me your son. I'm sorry. He's just rehearsing this over and over and over in his mind as he makes his way back toward home. So as the story is is, is told. He's coming up upon the farm over the horizon, and, and we know that his dad had already been looking for him because it tells us later in the story what happens. That's why I picked this picture for my, for my backdrop. I, I always imagined the, the father waiting patiently, looking over the horizon for his son. If you have children, you know. And this, this dad had, had spent a, a significant amount of time looking over the horizon for his son. And then one day, as he's peeking out over the horizon, a, a shape manifests itself. And I imagine the father thinking to himself, could, could it be? He had no idea he was alive. He thought maybe he was dead. The family was so severe he hadn't gotten word. So as the figure made it closer... As the figure made his way closer to home, his dad realized because his dad knew his son, he, that's his gate. That's how he walks. Could it be my son? And in the meantime, the son is rehearsing the story in his, or his, his, his apology. Can you hear him? Dad, I'm sorry I sinned against you. Dad, I'm sorry against, I, I sinned against God. I'm worthless. I'm worth nothing. Will you take me back and just let me work? He's saying that over and over in his mind. When the dad finally positively IDs his son, you may know what, what happens next. He jumps off the porch. He runs toward his son. <laughs> While he was a long way away, the dad jumped off the porch and ran toward his son who had been away from him. The son saw what was happening. He wasn't sure if dad was coming to tackle him and wrestle him to the ground and put him in a headlock and throw him off his property. He didn't know. But if you pay attention to the story, as the son is running towards his dad and the dad is running toward the son, can you hear the son? Dad, I'm sorry. Dad, I've sinned.
you have sinned against God. I don't deserve to be your son. I don't deserve this. But would you, he's rehearsing this in his mind. And as he gets to earshot, he begins to speak out those words. And his dad yells even louder, son. I'm so glad you're home. I've been waiting for you. He grabs him in, a, in, a, in an embrace. Can you see it? And he holds him close because he missed him. And he turns and he yells back toward the household. Get a robe for my son. Get a ring and put it on his finger. I want you to get, go get to my closet if you have to. Find a pair of shoes for his feet. Oh, and fire up the barbecue. Because my son, who was dead, is alive. He was lost, but not anymore. <laughs> Meanwhile, the other brother had been working in the fields. Uh, unaware of what had transpired that afternoon, he had stayed to his duty and he was working the, the, the farm. And as the party began to, to get going in the house, he happened upon earshots of what was happening and what was taking place. And he heard sounds that he wasn't used to hearing, like, you know, the, the DJ had already started to spin the records. And there was dancing. And he smelled the barbecue. That's not normal. What, what's happening? And a servant had managed to come out of the house. I don't know why. But he came out, and so the older son grabbed him. Hey, 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 what's going on? What's happening here? And the servant tells the older brother, you're, you're not going to believe this. Your brother is alive, and he's come back home. And dad is throwing, your dad is throwing a large party. He's killed the fattened calf, and the barbecue is going, and everybody is here for the party. And if that were the end of the story, what an epic ending to a, could be a tragic end. But it's not the end of the story. There's, there's more. There's always more to the end of the story, isn't there? There's always more to the story there's so much going on in the first part of the narrative that, that sometimes we forget there's other things that have gone on. We, we may have even forgotten about the older brother because of what's been, trend, what's been taking place. But he's still there. He, he, he never left. He's still there. And while the party may be going on inside, the good vibes stopped at the front door. Scripture tells us that this was the older brother's reaction, verse 28. The older brother was angry and he would not go in. I, I imagine he was angry for, for a lot of different reasons. Maybe, may, maybe, uh, maybe he was just hurt. You know, they grew up together. They worked alongside together. They took care of things, and they, they, they more than likely played together. That's what little brothers do. They, were, they loved one another. But his younger brother made a decision to leave. I want whatever is not here. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm going to take my money, and I'm going to go. And he left. And I'm sure his brother's angry about that. He's hurt. 
I'm sure the older brother is, is maybe hurt um, because his dad's hurt. He's the one who had to see dad hurting every day. He's the one who had to watch dad staring out over the horizon, probably heard him weeping quietly. He was the one who had to stay behind. He's hurt because his dad's hurt. I, I, I imagine that he's, he's concerned. He's probably a little bit nervous that, hey, this, this may happen again. I, I, I'm wondering if this kid didn't just come home to fill his saddlebags again and take off and go do this all over again, you know? If you hurt me once, shame on you. Hurt me twice, shame on me. And I'm not going to let that happen. He's concerned. I'm sure that he's frustrated. Frustrated that, that the punishment isn't fitting the crime. You know, this is, a, this is one of the, the crowd favorites. We, we love it when justice is served, right? We love it when people get what's coming to them. And the older brother, no doubt, was a little bit frustrated that the punishment isn't fitting of the crime. So Luke continues to write this. The dad saw what was going on outside and he came out. And he begged the, the older brother, the, the firstborn son, why don't, why don't you come in? Our boy was, was, was dead. Now he's not. Come, come in and, and party with us. And the older son said, Dad, this is crazy. All these years, I I have slaved for you. I have worked for you and never once refused to do anything that you asked me. Anything that, that you needed done, I did all these years. And in that time, Dad, you never, not once, did you give me a goat to have a party with my friends. Never once did you celebrate me, Dad. And when this, when this son of yours, when this son of yours comes back after blowing all his money on things that we don't want to want to talk about, you celebrate by throwing a party, Dad? you look closely through the, the words of, of that paragraph, you may see another possibility as to why the older brother may be so angry. It sounds to me as if he feels overlooked, not celebrated enough, underappreciated maybe even. I'm the one who stayed, Dad, and worked, and, and I didn't get to play. I'm the one who, who kept things going. I'm the one who's steady. I'm the one who should be celebrated, not this son of yours, who obviously doesn't think of anybody but himself, who just, you know, decides to just come back after squandering all the money that that you gave him, and you still welcome him back? Dad, this is messed up. It's not fair. And and I'm I'm just not going to be a part of it. And, And I know people. And, and maybe you know people, too, who identify as followers of Christ, but proudly wear you know, the name tag or the t-shirt, disciple of Jesus, who spent a long time, maybe even a lifetime, serving God. 
They've given a lot of money to their church. And they've served in various ways. You know, maybe they, they went on work and witness trips or they, they taught a Sunday school class or a small group. Maybe in, in, in days gone by, they were a caravan leader. But they've invested in, in, in this organization. They've, they may be sang in the choir. You know, they've been steady. All these years. And yet, they still share a similar philosophy with this older brother. That we probably need to be really careful about who we, uh, you know, welcome back around here. We need to make sure that, that, that we cover our, our bases. I, I know grace is good and that, that sounds good and everything, but let's just take a second and, and think about this for a moment. Do we really want them here? And I've heard comments. I've been around a long time. I know some of you have too. I've been in church. I've heard, I've heard things. Oh, Sophie? <laughs> Whew. She has a potty mouth. I don't even know if she really takes this being a Christian thing seriously. Do, do we want her around here? Oh, yeah, Bryce. Well, Bryce has a little bit of a drinking problem. And uh, I, I think maybe he may be, like, ruining our reputation in the community. If, they, if people out there in Woodland Park know that Bryce is a part of our church, I, you know, I don't know. Do we really want him here? Why, why, is, why are they coming here? Don't, don't they know we have standards? I mean, after all, we're, we're Nazarene. We're holiness people. Oh, Amanda? Yeah, Amanda, Amanda's struggling with, with her sexuality. And I, I don't know. I think it's confusing for the kids if we allow people like that around all that hurt and all that concern and all that frustration and all the feelings of being overlooked or underappreciated, they get compressed over the years because they add up. They get compressed down to resentment. And resentment begins to then inform and shape our emotion, which as you know, emotion absolutely determines our behaviors. And then just like that. We become the determiners of who deserves love and forgiveness and acceptance. We become the gatekeepers of who is worthy to receive God's grace and who isn't. Did you know? I bet you do. Did you know that not one of us, not one of us deserves the extended redemptive hand of God toward us. Not one of us. That's why it's called grace. Unmerited favor. Undeserved love and forgiveness and welcoming back to God's family. But sometimes... We have a hard time seeing it. Just like the older brother in our story had a hard time seeing it. For some reason, he had 
determined that if dad were to forgive his kid brother, it somehow lessened his inheritance. That if somehow he were to forgive his kid brother, that all the devotion that he had given to his dad all this time was worth less. That because there was a welcome back party, that the one who stayed behind got cheated somehow. So this is what dad said to the oldest son. Look, boy, you have always been with me. You stayed right here. You've always been with me. And everything that I have, boy, is yours. Everything that I have. You see, the older son's problem wasn't his wayward kid brother being welcomed back home after wasting his inheritance. His problem was that he forgot about his own inheritance. He had it all the whole time. It had never gone away. It was right where it always was. He just had forgotten about it because it's easy to forget your inheritance, if you're worried about somebody else's inheritance. See, the older son had disconnected from his brother. He had distanced himself from his brother. If you read closely, in effect, he had disowned his brother, and he had blurted out in a moment of heated passion what was in his heart. It's not fair that he did what he did and is still welcomed home this way. And the dad responded in the same manner that our Heavenly Father responds to those of us who don't deserve His grace. People like you. People like me. We had to celebrate. We had to celebrate this happy day because your brother was dead. Now, (laughs) he's come back to life. He was lost. Not anymore. See, we don't we don't know the conclusion of this story. It just sort of sits there leaving us to fill in the blanks of the ending. What what happens? Does the older brother release his anger and his bitterness and resentment and embrace uh, his kid brother? Does he wake up to the reality of his blessed life and adjust his attitude accordingly? We don't know. We don't know if the father gets to finally rest knowing that his boys are back home safe at the farm. We don't don't know if the older son picks up a grudge and carries it around. We, We don't know. See, Jesus didn't tie up all the loose ends. He didn't resolve the tension here. It's almost as if he leaves the story unfinished on purpose. As if he's offering an invitation to insert ourselves into the narrative. Maybe to discover what role we could play or we do play if we were in this story. Because we are in this story. Sure, we're a long way from first century Judea. But this story 
or a version of it plays out a billion different ways every single day. So I'd ask you, where are you in, in, in this story? You could be the prodigal. I, I don't know you very well yet. You, you, you come to a faith community like this one and you're looking for a rescue. You're looking for restoration. You don't know, any, you don't know how any of this Jesus stuff works. You just know that what you're doing is not working anymore. And you're hoping that somehow, desperately, someone will offer forgiveness and restoration. That God could love you ever again. You, you could be the, lo- the, the loving father. You, you, you could be um, the, the, the father. God has so graciously changed you from who you once were. Or miraculously kept you from who you could have become. So changed you that you can't help but extend love and grace, and forgiveness to those who need it, not just those who ask for it. Notice in the story, the father jumped off the porch and ran long before the son had an opportunity to ask for forgiveness. Maybe you're the the loving father. Or maybe. You're you're the starring role of of the older sibling. The one who seems to struggle to remember his own redemption who has difficulty helping others find their way back home. Someone who has forgotten the inheritance that's already been given by the Heavenly Father and the enjoyment of knowing and the peace that comes with knowing that. And here's why. And this is so very important. Churches everywhere. Christians everywhere talk of how they're all about the gospel. The kingdom of God, the great commission, seeking and saving the lost. All all those Jesus kinds of things. But not nearly as many are doing the hard work of preparing for the opportunities when prodigals dare to come around. We want the churches full, absolutely. We want the churches full, but we're not as nearly interested in doing what it takes to be the kind of church, the kind of people that those who are far from God need when the Holy Spirit draws them, and He is drawing them. Well, Dale, what what does that take? Well, takes a church that's on mission. That happens to be an entire sermon series for another day. But the short answer to being able to get a church on mission is that the people are on mission. Well, Dale, how how do you get the people on mission? I'd like to hear that story. Well, that's a whole other sermon series for another day. But the short answer, I think, to getting people onto mission with God is that they remember their inheritance. That they remember the, the idea that, that, that God had changed them. That there is a God who loves them. Loves you so much that he provided a way for you to know him. Went to great lengths to provide someone in your world to expose you to the love and hope of Jesus Christ. 
and to be free from the sin that keeps you in prisons of guilt and shame. And remember that one day, one day, when this is all over, you get to live forever with God. And maybe as importantly, that you and I, Christian, are the very first impression that a lot of people ever get of Jesus. But too many Christians aren't like that because they've forgotten their inheritance, which is easy to do if you're worried about someone else's inheritance. So before we go this morning, I'd like to pray for you. The band's going to come. And we have another song that we're going to sing. But I want to pray for you. I have no idea what role you play in the story. Again, I, I don't know if, if you're the prodigal. You could be far from God, desperately trying to find your way back to him. You could be the father who is scanning the horizon looking for ways to help those who are stumbling home. You could be the oldest son. You, you could be the one that's trapped by feelings of discouragement over years spent toiling for an inheritance that's been yours since the day that you repented of your sin. He's given it all to you. And we keep trying to earn it. Can I pray with you? God in heaven, thank you for this morning, for the way that you watch over us and are so deeply concerned about us that in my mind's eye, you're sitting on that, that porch overlooking heaven, waiting for the moment when your prodigal sons and daughters begin to find their way home. I, I ask, oh Jesus, today that if we have prodigals here this morning, that they would sense that they have a place and a loving Heavenly Father who will love them back into His arms. Not leave them there. God, we know that You are a transformative God. Your entire heart is to change us into the likeness of Your Son. But there's always that first step where we realize that what we're doing isn't working anymore. And we need to receive your peace in our lives. So God, be with the prodigals today. Lord, be with those who are advancing the kingdom of God through being grace givers. Men and women who have spent a lifetime serving you, or maybe a short amount of time serving you, but enough to know, they've matured enough to know that you were so graceful with them that it just behooves them to be graceful with others. We have churches all over the world today who are not very welcoming, not very grace-filled. We pray that you would help us to become grace-filled so that your spirit can do the transforming work. So God, I lift up the grace-givers today. And then I ask, oh Lord, that you would be with the older siblings, <laughs> the ones who have a little bit of difficulty with those who are far from you. I pray that you would open up their heart. You would fill them again with your presence. 
remind them again of their inheritance that's always been there. That, that it's, it's there when they, uh, when they wake up in the morning. It's there when they, when they go to sleep in the evening. And it's really there when we cross over from this life into the next. Help us, God, to live with our hearts full of your inheritance. Be with this church as it attempts to do your work in this part of the world. Pray that you'd be with the leaders, the volunteers, and the attenders. Pray, God, that your spirit would flow freely, that this would become a place where lives are changed, where eternities are changed forever, that people are called into ministry from this place, that lives are restored, that marriages are brought back into completeness, that our sons and daughters, the prodigals, find a place that they can be loved again. And I ask this Christ in the holy name of Jesus. Amen. Would you stand, you folks?
Scott come up and close our service out. Isn't it good to remember what a good father we have? Are you thankful that you have grace? I will be the first in line. I'm so grateful because I don't deserve it, but boy, he gave it out freely. To think of him running to you before you ask for it, isn't that amazing that he ran to you? I love that. We're going to make a transition. Uh, we're going to make a transition from this service, which has been great. Dale and Michelle, thank you very much. So if you'll bear with me, it might be a little clumsy, but we'll close out our service and then we'll we'll talk about the next step that we're going into in our, our lunch and our, our time with the butlers and with Kevin Compton, our, our let's see, assistant district superintendent. Um, and that, that office has been so helpful in our process so far uh, in in seeking a, a new pastor. Uh, we, are, we really appreciate that office. Thank you very much. <clears throat> um, two weeks ago, I was in California, and I took the opportunity to drive about an hour and a half <clears throat> into the California desert. Uh, anybody old enough to remember... Death Valley Days, and right? And what was the commercial for Death Valley Days? It was the 20 mule team. So I was in the town of Boron, and the first street you come to is 20 mule team drive. Now that's a poor, poor, drug-infested little town that doesn't have nearly enough health care. But I met with a friend of mine who has been a survivor of prostate cancer and now has been diagnosed with colon cancer. Uh, and he has about 30 people in his church. Most of them are missing teeth. Most of them have worked hard all their life. But you know, they can worship. And they heard the word of God. <clears throat> Last week, I had a little change of scenery. Uh, I happened to be a, at this time, but in a different time zone, on the Kona coast of Hawaii, and there's a little chapel built out of black lava. <clears throat> you could probably fit three of those chapels in this, in this area. But they've got something going on there. They've got three services going on. And outside their little lava stone chapel, they have to have canopies. And these canopies are as big as any section in this church. And they surround the church. And just beyond those canopies is a grow of palm trees and the Pacific Ocean. And they can worship. And they heard the word of God. 
And this morning here, I come home and we can worship. And we heard the Word of God. I'm going to use the little book of, of Jude as our doxology. And after the doxology, we'll have some instructions about lunch and about the upcoming time with uh, the butlers. But consider what the little tiny book of Jude says, the last two verses. Now, to him who is able to keep you, to keep you from falling and to present you before his glorious presence without fault and with great joy, to the only God our Savior, be glory, majesty, power, and authority through Jesus Christ our Lord before all ages, now and forevermore. Amen. Father, we thank you for the grace that you have invited us into. May we never forget that now and forevermore. Amen. So there's a few instructions. Uh, we want everybody to stay. This is going to be a good time this afternoon.